Hey, good afternoon and welcome to SWAT Radio. It is Thursday, March 25th, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. My name's Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. I also run the SWAT Bible Studies and am the host of SWAT Radio, and I'm excited about our guests today. They're not uh, unfamiliar to our listeners. They've been on here before, Uh, but we are so excited to welcome back Daryl Harrison and Virgil Walker to SWAT Radio, and just to let you know about their website, uh, their podcast, they they are both doing individual things, but together they're on a podcast called Just Thinking. You can go to just, J-U-S-T, thinking.me, and uh, go. They've got blogs there, podcasts there, gear there. You can support them. Listen, these are two people, two brothers you want to support, brothers in the Lord, and um, they, they are doing a phenomenal work. They are probably two of the best research people dealing with critical race theory that I've heard out on uh, social media or out in the media world. And I'm happy to have them back. Daryl and Virgil, welcome back to SWAT Radio. Hey, Doug. Thanks good for afternoon. Having Thanks for having us back on, my friend. Yeah. And uh, Virgil, uh, thank you for jumping in. You are now with G3 Ministries. What is G3 real quick? G3 is the conference-based ministry. Uh, G, G, the G3, 3G, stands for Gospel, Grace, and Glory. Uh, it is the ministry of uh, Dr. Josh Bice, and um, it's a conference-based ministry that is moving from uh, simply providing conferences to providing uh, great resources and material for uh, pastors, both bivocational uh, and full-time pastors as far as educating, education, uh, not only for pastors, but for, for lay leaders and, and people of all stripes. But uh, that's, that's kind of what we're moving into as a ministry. I'm excited to be a part of that. I'm, I'm the, I serve as the director of operations uh, for G3 Ministries, and uh, that started right at, right, at the, right at the beginning of the year. So I'm excited to be a part of that. Well, we're excited for you. And Daryl uh, serves as the dean of social media. Grace to you, Daryl. We just had uh, Phil Johnson on a week or so ago. And um, mm-hmm. y- you guys do such a good job at Grace to You, uh, and um, we're so glad you're there. Both of you guys are veterans. Uh, both of you have served not only in the military, but you serve in the, the the kingdom of our Lord's work, doing that, helping people to think critically, which is something uh, I think uh, missing a lot. Uh, so I don't want to waste a whole lot of time. Your last podcast was really, really good. And if you haven't heard it, again, go to justthinking.me and go to their podcast. You can drop it and listen to it. But you guys were dealing with the CRT, uh, critical race theory. And uh, basically what's happening right now in our culture is we are seeing a lot of CRT, to use Virgil words, CRT light. And and we're seeing woke light in the church. And it's... Uh, Michael Youssef out of Atlanta said this is one of the most damaging things to attack the gospel currently in our culture. And so I I just wanted to start by having you uh, deal a little bit with helping us define terms. Uh, Daryl, I'll start with you. Start with CRT, critical race theory. People hear that. It has so many meanings. It's a huge monster. But for the church, when people hear that, 
Can you define it as to what it actually is, not all these different perceptions of CRT? Yeah, Doug, I'd be glad to. So critical race theory, or CRT for short, is actually an outgrowth of a larger philosophical worldview called critical theory. Critical theory dates back to the early 1930s and the Frankfurt School uh, in Frankfurt, Germany. Uh, It was founded by a uh, German Marxist by the name of Max Horkheimer, Max Horkheimer in the 30s. So critical race theory, though, to be more specific, grew out of critical theory in the late 70s and early 80s. Again, critical race theory is an academic proposition uh, that was developed by a group of Marxist scholars who got together at the University of Wisconsin in Madison, Wisconsin, in the late 1980s to look at uh, American jurisprudence as it relates to how certain judicial decisions were rendered and their uh, with, with regard to their impact to certain minority groups, primarily black Americans. Uh, and what critical race theory does is it goes back and looks at the law, it looks at legal precedent, and imparts to those decisions, to, it subjectively imparts to those decisions an ethnic or what the world would say a racial lens. So what critical race theory does is Uh, It looks at certain uh, legal decisions through the lens of ethnicity uh, and then brings out of the out of that uh, projection and and certain presuppositions uh, into those legal decisions and says, well, there's 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 racial bias built into these decisions. There's there's implicit racial prejudice that came out of these decisions uh, and that we need to remedy that implicit bias by uh, creating uh, uh, legal standards uh, uh, that benefit uh, ethnic minorities so as to level the playing field. So that's a layman's uh, description of what critical race theory is. Well, we we need a layman's terms uh, defined. I mean, or we need these terms defined for layman because most of us don't uh, get a chance to – research like you guys have and by the way just for our listeners i I did not go into a great deal of y'all's background but uh i just wanted to point out uh, virgil is a falkirk fellow that both these men uh have spent a lot of times researching a lot of this stuff they've read a lot not only about critical theory uh critical race theory but about slavery um and i i didn't say this uh but virgil and daryl are both um, a people of color. Um, I, I don't really feel like I need to define it, but because we're dealing with this issue, I want to I want to point that out. That Daryl, you grew up in the Atlanta area on a. I think from our one of our last uh, programs, you said a a not a great part of town. Um, so no, you didn't no, grow no. up with a lot of resources. What about you, Virgil? Where did you grow up? Grew up in upstate uh, New York. Uh, so, uh, and then, and then by way of that, I, I tell people I got to Oklahoma as soon as possible, um, <laughs> lived, lived, lived in, lived in every, you know, every area, socioeconomic. My, my, my mom, um, was a, was a nurse, uh, by, by, by trade, uh, by, by as far as a career job. Uh, my dad, uh, worked a variety of jobs, everything from, uh, working as a house, uh, in the area of housekeeping and janitorial work. 
uh, to owning his own business. But he, my, my dad uh, had all of a sixth grade education uh, and was illiterate uh, for a good part of our lives. I actually spent quite a bit of time teaching my, my own father how to, how to read. And so, you know, we come from a, from both Daryl and I, for, for people to question our, our, our bona fides, if you will, with regard to being a part of, of, of urban culture, black culture, or not, you know, maybe having a spoon uh, in our mouths, maybe, maybe not, not, uh, not understanding the streets or however they would, they would frame it is absolutely ridiculous, as is the charge that we haven't studied uh, what we needed to study or haven't read the works of, 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 of scholars uh, in the area of critical theory, critical race theory. Nothing could be further for the truth. If you want to check that out, all you'd have to do would be to listen to one episode of the Just Thinking podcast, and that would uh, that would clear up that particular issue. Well, and and Daryl, Daryl actually um, was a fellow of the Black Theology and Leadership Institute at Princeton. And, um, you know, Daryl, you made a statement in the last podcast uh, drop that uh, I had not heard you say before that you – other than theological books, have read more books on slavery than any other book other than theology. Is that Did I understand you to say that right? Because I just kind of went through yes. that. Is that true? Yeah, Doug, you, you understood that correctly. That is correct. I've, uh, if you were to visit me here at Grace to You, which I hope you get an opportunity to uh, someday, and you come into my office and my library here, you would see more books on the subject of slavery. I probably got close to two shelves full of books. Uh, on slavery, and that's not to uh, include the e-books, the electronic books that I have on my iPad that include about 30-something uh, uh, slave narratives that I own. So, yeah, I've studied uh, slavery more than any other topic outside of the topic of theology, and as I said in the Critical Race Theory episode, um, uh, the reason Virgil and, I, Virgil and I are both historians and theologians, but we're historians because we're theologians. So I like to look at the issue of slavery not uh, in a vacuum, as, as most people do, but we look at the issue of slavery not just in America but around the world through the lens of a biblical homardiology and the doctrine of sin and how that doctrine of sin affects uh, mankind and has affected mankind since Genesis 3. Mm. Well, um, you you put out on your your site in a blog and i, I appreciated the way you did it because it kind of made it easier to understand crt is the five points of crt you kind of referenced how there's five points of tulip you know and and looking at the uh the five points of calvinism but the five points of crt just real briefly and and you guys can can go back and forth between uh you and omaha i'm sorry virgil i i, I listen to him a lot so omaha may come out that's what daryl calls virgil uh sometimes in his podcast but uh anyway total partiality unconditional rejection of white people limited contentment irresistible race and perseverance of complaints uh can you just real quick take those five points real quick and and however y'all want to do it because we got about 15 more minutes in this segment so let's just talk about that because i think it's important for our listeners to be educated about what it is practically too yeah so the five points of critical race theory we'll take number one uh total partiality so critical race theory is inherently and intrinsically rooted in the sin of partiality. What critical race theory does is pit groups together based on certain intersectional intersectional categories, or they try to pit 
uh, groups together uh, against one another who are grouped by ethnicity. Uh, so that's where uh, point number one comes from, total partiality, because CRT is, is partiality is in the, the DNA of CRT. Uh, point number two, unconditional rejection as opposed to unconditional election of white people. So critical race theory, uh, again, that philosophy holds that only white people are guilty of racism. Only white people can uh, be guilty of the sin of ethnic prejudice or what, what they would, what CRTers would call racism. So that's where that point two comes from, unconditional rejection of white people, because black people, by virtue of being black, are totally immune from any type of hatred, any type of bias, any type of sinful prejudice towards white people. That only happens from white people towards black people. Uh, point number three, limited contentment. Uh, critical race theory uh, critical race theory is a philosophy of discontentment. There's always problem after problem after problem after problem. There, there is nothing within critical race theory that preaches contentment, joy, happiness whatsoever the world the entire world is uh, 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 psychologically black it's dark uh, especially with respect to America so that's where point three comes from limited contentment point number four irresistible race a uh, critical race theory can as the name implies critical race theory is it wants you to believe anyway that it's all about race but it's not but in the in the in the, in the sense of uh, CRT we'll keep it there Critical race theory is all about race. They cannot resist talking about race. Everything that exists from the sun coming up to the sun setting in the, in the, uh, in the evening, everything is about race, always, whether it's social, social, cultural, whether it's ecclesiastical involving the church, uh, whether it's in uh, uh, housing discrimination, job placement, things like the, the economy, it doesn't matter. Everything is about race with critical race theorists. And then lastly, number five, Perseverance of, of complaint. Um, I want to sort of dovetail that one with point number four, uh, or rather point number three, limited contentment. Because there is no contentment within critical race theory, everything is about a complaint. Everything, like I said, everything is a problem. Nothing has a solution, okay? Mm -hmm. Nothing has a solution. Everything is a problem because everything is rooted in, in racial uh, discord, racial animus. Uh, so that's where point number five comes from with regard to perseverance of complaints. So that's kind of how I, why I named those the five points of critical race theory. Okay. Well, I really like that. And Virgil, I would like to add, ask you a question because I know you've come under fire for some of the things you guys are, are teaching on there about critical race theory and, and speaking so truthfully about it. What would you say to a, a, a person who says they're a believer, but they embrace critical race theory, but they also say they hold to the supremacy of the gospel? How, how would you, if you're, if you've got that person under your care as a pastor, how do you, how do you shepherd that person? Well, I, again, I think I think there's a there's, there's an issue of whether or not we believe the Bible to be sufficient to deal with the issues of ethnicity and whether or not we believe we have to ask the question do we believe christ died for all sin uh, and if we believe that uh then not only is he able to eradicate us from the penalty of sin but he, he's he's also able to eventually eradicate us from the very presence of sin we think that that has to happen in the here and now uh, and the reality is that's far from the case or the message of the gospel what what the gospel is intended to do is to transform hearts 
Uh, it, it's, to, it's to transform us from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh, first of all, and that we understand our need for a Savior. And then, and then secondarily, it's to transform our lives from a standpoint of sanctification so that we walk uprightly, we walk in righteousness. We have people advocating for social justice when what they don't recognize is that justice from a biblical standpoint is anchored in the very nature of God so that we walk rightly, we walk in the manner which God desires for us to walk. When we do that, we fulfill the justice of God here, even on the earth. I, I, you had mentioned earlier, um, you talked about the, the and, and Daryl just, just brilliantly walked through kind of the five tenets of, of critical race theory, but what's happening is in our church settings, uh, people are listening to the, presupp- the five presuppositions that are attached to critical theory or critical race theory, and they're beginning, to, they're beginning to embrace those. And the reason they're doing so is because they have no real concept of what the Bible actually has to say about these issues. So, for example, you have the five presuppositions of critical race theory. Racism is a part of, every, of the fabric of our society. Uh, there's interest convergence, and we can talk about that. Race as a social construct. That's number three. Number four, uh, a differential racialization, the idea that, that different races at different times are dealt different hands based upon culture and society and the, hege- and, and the hegemony that, uh, that, is, that is providing oversight. A lot, a lot of words, a lot of phraseology, and five, the unique voices of color. In other words, that, that, that intersectionality begins to play a role in that we need to listen to voices of color uh, say certain things about certain issues because they've been, they've been oppressed for so long. So what happens is, what we what, what we begin to do is we begin to we begin to abandon biblical language. Mm-hmm. When we abandon biblical language. We're off the turf that the Bible provides for us in terminology, and we're on the turf of the world. And now, when we're on the turf of the world, the whole point and process of critical theory, critical race theory, is to deconstruct language. And when they deconstruct language, they reframe it in such a way that's advantageous for the sinful partiality. Aimed at aimed at uh, aimed at aimed at people of color for for the promotion of people of color. Basically, what they're doing is they're engaged in racism for the purpose of ending racism. Mm-hmm. That's what you're. That's a, that's essentially what you're what you're seeing manifest. And what what so-called believers are beginning to do is they're beginning to embrace these ideas because they haven't spent the time in the Word of God to understand what God's Word says about these matters. And, that, and, that's, and that's, to the, that's to the advantage of the critical race theories. The other thing I'll say briefly, and I know you're coming up on a break, is that what we're seeing happening with pastors all across the country in, in so-called conservative evangelical circles, are they beginning to adopt these ideas? Hey, there's, there's some things that are good in this critical race theory thing that we need to adopt. When, when actually the only thing good about – well, first of all, there's nothing good about critical race theory or critical theory, nothing at all. In, insofar as they get things right, it is only because of the fact that, that all of us are image bearers of God. Mm-hmm. And as image bearers of God, we have a framework by which we operate as human beings in the world. It's not that critical race theory is some wonderful idea or a wonderful theory that we need, to, we need to adopt so that we can see things more clearly. No, we need to abandon the, the philosophies of men and embrace the biblical framework given to us by a sovereign God. That's what we need to embrace for the purpose of understanding the human condition, having a biblical anthropology, a biblical view of man, a biblical view of God, a biblical view of sin, a biblical view of salvation, and a biblical view of our hereafter, the coming uh, eschaton, that, that, which will, that, w- that which we hope for in the future. If we have those, critical race theory is not even needed. It's not necessary. Well, yeah, and, and there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a feeling out there that, it, well, well, you said it in your podcast, there's a difference between difference and disparity also. 
right? right. I mean, an inequity. Right. I mean, like, you, you, you know, you talk about that in the podcast. We've got about five minutes to our break. Can you, can you, uh, and, and you may want to start even with Dr. Truman's uh, quote or about the fact that CRT by its very nature is self-certifying and how dangerous that is for people of truth or people who believe in the Bible and truth. I mean, can you touch on that, Daryl, real quick? Yeah, I'd be glad to. So as you alluded to, Doug, we did mention in the podcast episode on critical race theory, uh, under, under the lines of thinking that what you have, what, what believers have to understand, you have to understand the language and vernacular of critical race theory. So a critical race theory proposes that every difference is a disparity. Every difference is a disparity. But inherently, difference and disparity are not the same thing just like equality and equity are not the same thing. So in order to understand critical race theory, you first have to understand the language that they use. And as you already heard, Doug, in the episode that we did on critical race theory, we took, like we do in each of our episodes, we take you take time to walk you through the definitions. You must define the terms. You must define the terms because you have to understand the ground upon which you are engaging in a discourse with the critical race theorists, when a, when a critical race theory says, theorist says equity and equality, they're conflating those two terms. Equity in biblical uh, uh, terms is the equal, objective, impartial application of God's law and precepts to every single person, every image, every image bearer of God without regard to outcome. That's equity. Equality or the critical race theorist is an outcome-focused uh, philosophy or ideology. The critical race theorist says, "Well, uh, because this uh, black uh, uh, this black child uh, uh, doesn't uh, learn at as fast a pace as this Asian child or this white child, that that's a disparity." When, it, when it essentially it's all things, all of the other things being equal, it's actually a difference. Um, I had. Uh, uh, even within my own family, I had siblings who were smarter than me. Mm-hmm. Is that a disparity, or is this, it's just a difference? So we, we have to be careful and understand what these terms mean that these critical race theorists uh, are using. Because if you fall for the language, if you engage them using their language, you're going to use that battle every time. Difference does not mean disparity. Equity does not mean equality. It, it, these are these are these these are, 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 are ways that critical race theory and those who promote that worldview trap you. They suck you into that uh, sort of ideological black hole through the language. But you must be astute enough to understand that when they use terms that we use, that we as Christians use, their use of those terms is in a, an entirely different context than what Scripture says uh, from the standpoint of a biblical worldview. Yeah, and explain to them real quick about how CRT is self-certifying, how that how that is dangerous, basically. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. So, so, so I mentioned earlier when I was giving a definition of what critical race theory is, critical race theory is a, prop, a, a presuppositional uh, argument. And what, what critical race theory does is, is it makes presuppositions at, about using certain uh, uh, distinctions as if they were facts, okay? So when Carl Truman writes in his article, uh, which was brilliant, by the way, he wrote an article on the website called First Things, where he declared critical race theory to be self-certified. 
That's the thing you have to remember. Critical race theory will, does not open itself up to objective criticism. It does not. It does not open itself up to objective analysis. Critical race theory says what we presuppose, they may be presuppositions, they may be even assumptions, they, they're not rooted in objective fact. They're not rooted in objective uh, analysis. And critical race theory does not open itself up to criticism outside of itself. So that's what it means by self-certifying. Critical race theory says by, by mere fact that we are saying that this is the case in America, that racism and racial discrimination are deep and enduring parts of the everyday existences of people of color, the fact that we say that, you can't challenge that. It's true because we said it. It's true because we declare it to be. So that's what I mean by CRT being self-certified. So that's how CRT protects itself as an ideology because it it it, it makes a, a presupposition. It declares a thing, and because it uses the uh, the hammer of white guilt to make people like you, Doug, afraid to challenge it, the the the, the more silent you are, the more credibility it gets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's how critical race theory makes makes its progression throughout society and in the church. And yet, if I, I speak I out, but, but if I speak out against it, I'm I'm just an oppressor. <laughs> and right. and and so yeah, so it's really tough. And I, I really, when we come back, we got to go to a break. Uh, and, but when we come back. What I would love for you guys to delve into, and, and Virgil, I want to bring you in again to talk about some of the 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 black on black or people of color of, on people of color uh, ethnic prejudice that you when you speak out uh, representing biblical truth that you experience, and also I would like for you to deal with the fact that how do we address. When pastors are saying, you know, we have to address our whiteness as a culture, the, the, the Florida Methodists put out a whole thing on that and addressing our white privilege. So can you guys hang in there with me through the break and uh, we'll talk about that on the backside? Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. Doug. All right. Hey, you are listening to SWAT radio and I'm so privileged to have Virgil Walker and Daryl Harrison of the Just Thinking podcast. You can go to justthinking.me. Lots of great resources about this critical race theory. And, folks, I'm just going to tell you, this is something you can't stick your head in the sand. You cannot. We need to be people of truth as people of the Bible, people who lovingly address these issues. And we're so blessed to have these guys. We're going to be right back after this break with more of SWAT Radio. Listening to SWAT Radio. We're back on the air on Thursday, March 25th. We are live today with our guests, Daryl Harrison and Virgil Walker from Just Thinking Podcast. JustThinking.me is their website. Hey, real quick before we get back into it with Daryl and Virgil, um, I, I would like to ask you to really pray if you're out there listening. Pray for them, first of all, because these brothers are putting it out there. And they, uh, you know, 
you start drawing flack when you're over the target, and that's what they're doing. And uh, so we need to lift them up in prayer. So if you're listening today, take a moment sometime today, pray for Daryl Harrison and his family, pray for Virgil Walker and their family, and pray for their, their ministry, what they're doing. I mean, these guys are so busy doing things for the kingdom and getting flack for it, and we need to be lifting them up. That's what we do as the body of Christ. Second, I would encourage you to support them. Really look at how you can support them and what they do. Uh, you know, they, they as I, I've just been so blessed to have a connection with them uh, just through interviewing them and spending a little time on the phone with them. But these are the real deal guys. I don't normally make pitches for other ministries like this, but I feel compelled to do it for these guys because I've just been so blessed by them. And I, I think you will. Uh, be blessed to help support them. So, uh, Daryl um, and uh, Virgil, thanks for being back on here again. And I, I want to get into this. You know, my wife and I were at a thing not too long ago, and we were talking about some of these issues. And, you know, the question that came not from a person of color, but from a white evangelical was, well, how many black friends do you have? And And that, to me, goes along with what you were saying almost. It's like this... <laughs> This false consciousness uh, idea that, well, it, you know, you, you can't speak to it uh, in any way because you aren't, you know, you're you're not either. And the truth is, I've got lots of friends of color, you know. Can you address that just for a second? Yeah, I'll be, I'll be glad to speak glad to that, Doug. First of all, I want to say, uh, just, you know, with, 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 with all the love in my heart, brother, let me just say we are all people of color, even you. <laughs> okay, we are all just different shades of melanin along the same uh, color gradient scale. Okay, God created each of us uh, with a, a different shade of melanin uh, as he providentially uh, and sovereignly uh, uh, designed. So we are all people of color. So Virgil and I, we are totally comfortable with you using terms like black, white, whatever you want to use, we're comfortable with that. We, we are not politically correct. Okay. We're not politically correct. <laughs> okay. so you don't need, you don't need to say uh, people of color uh, with, with us. I just, I just want to get that out there. Now to your question, I want you to consider when someone says, well, do you have any black friends? There's a uh, uh, dualism. There's a prejudicial dualism inherent to that question. I'm going to just speak to it quickly, and then I'll hand it over to Virgil. Number one, the question uh, uh, is inherently prejudicial because it assumes that you don't have any black friends, number one. Okay, and then number two, the question is, is, is and here's where the duality comes in, the, the question is also prejudicial in, in that it is suggesting that if you had black friends, that those black friends would speak on behalf of every other black person. So the question, it, the question robs black people of the Imago Dei. Mm. It, it robs black people of the uniqueness that we have as individuals created in the image, image of God. So the, the question is a very ignorant question, to be honest with you. It's an incredibly ignorant question because it doesn't take into consideration that every black person is individually unique. We have our own mind. Every black person has their own name. They have their own personality, their own persona. 
as do you, Doug, and as does, does every other person on this planet, because we are all created in the image of God. And one aspect of being created in the image of God is that we think for ourselves. Mm-hmm. We all have our own individual mind. So a question like that is in- inherently prejudicial, uh, and though they think they may be scoring uh, points along the uh, social justice scale, uh, they're actually not accomplishing what they're setting out uh, to do, because that question is inherently prejudicial on its face. Uh, Verge, you want to add anything, bro? Yeah, I, I mean, just just the racist nature of the question and, and of itself should be should expose where they stand. Because what they're what, what they're positing is the idea to the point that Daryl just made is that one blacks are a monolith. That that if, if you if you had a certain you know, number of blacks uh, that would pr- that would provide you with uh, knowledge about their blackness, then 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 you would now be informed. The other thing that it does is it 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 it, it codes the truth. The truth is now on the basis of melanin. So truth is never is never a, stand, a standard that stands alone that that is that is uh, uh, objective. Truth is is uh, based upon the individual and the level of melanin in their skin. Truth is now based upon one's experience, uh, one's one's color, one's culture, one's ethnicity. So now, in order in order to examine truth or a truth claim, you have to make sure the right uh, the right melanin balance is in play or in view. Uh, in order for you to, and this is, this is the very definition of standpoint epistemology, right? the, the, the idea that that I can understand truth or have knowledge on the basis of the the, the perspective of the individual that I'm asking, mm. and and, and truth. Thank, thankfully, we know that 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 as those who believe in God, that, that the standard of truth is the very Word of God. Mm-hmm. I mean, the standard of truth is is objective. It's, it's it's that which we can understand both both na- through natural revelation or general revelation and special revelation. And so that that that's the standard. It's an objective standard. It's not based upon melanin in one's skin. Mm. Well, the same people who are promoting CRT in so many circles uh, also support homosexuality and freedom sexually against God's design in so many ways, transgenderism, all those things. and But they it, it appears to me like this socialism and Marxism kind of Trojan horse into the problems that people have experienced because of uh, their ethnic prejudice in our culture at times. And you guys are vilified a lot of times for speaking out. But, Daryl, I appreciate it in the last podcast. You brought up uh, a book called Color of Law, and just because – most of our listeners may not have heard it. Could you? Would you mind just sharing that about? It's called a forgotten history of how government segregated. So you do speak to these issues. We're not trying to deny that things haven't happened, but like, how do you how do you address like slave reparations? Like that's a big topic right now, and people. I think Illinois has already started the process of that. Like. Can you talk from that perspective a little bit about acknowledging that there's a problem, but yet also not holding children responsible for their father's sins as well? Right. Yeah, yeah, I'll be glad to speak to that, Doug. Yeah, so as I mentioned earlier, Virgil and I are both historians, okay? We both have an appreciation for history. Um, Myself, just to tell a personal story, I've always been um, uh, focused on the period of the Civil War uh, up to the Civil Rights Movement. So that 100-year period from 1860, the 1860s up through the 1960s, I've always been drawn 
to that period of time in American history. So uh, I have an appreciation for history, and so does Virgil. As I said earlier, we appreciate history because with theologians, we look at history through the lens of a biblical anthropology. And the biblical anthropology, unfortunately for, for mankind since Genesis 3, uh, has inherent with it the reality of the sin nature, the reality of the sin nature. So in that episode on critical race theory, I walk our listeners through uh, from Richard Rothstein's book, The Color of Law, Forgotten History of Our Government Segregated America. I walk from that book our listeners through the origins of redlining. The discriminatory redlining was a discriminatory practice that came out of the uh, Fred, uh, Fred, um, uh, Franklin Roosevelt uh, administration, um, <clears throat> which which actually grew out of the military, Doug. There was housing discrimination in the military where blacks and whites were uh, were living in separate housing. The Roosevelt administration basically came out of World War II and implemented that same policy in uh, c- civilian spaces, whereby um, entities like the FHA and others who made mortgage uh, uh, loans were able to outline in red areas of uh, pri- primarily, predominantly urban areas where, where uh, uh, they were not allowed to make mortgages, mortgage loans to black people. So we, we, we acknowledge that reality of redlining in America's history. I don't know how often we've talked about slavery. We've dedicated entire episodes to the, uh, to the subject of slavery. But then again, Scripture uh, 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 scripture uh, uh, should be overlaid history. Sh- scripture should overlay history, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. So we look at slavery through the lens of, of uh, Genesis 3 and the biblical harmoniology. We look at it uh, through the lens of Paul's words in Romans 5.12, that through one man sin entered enter into the world and death through sin. Romans 8, Paul talks about how the entire creation has been subjected to corruption because of sin. Um, in uh, The Old Testament makes clear that God holds the individual responsible. This is where the idea of sin by proxy is unbiblical, because you cannot hold another person by proxy as a proxy responsible for the sins of another individual. You can't do that. But the social justicians today, liberation theologians today, critical race theory actually does the opposite. They want to hold, especially as it relates to what we would call white people, they want to hold current-day white people responsible for the, again, assumed sins of their ancestors and make them pay. So this is what's happening in Everston, Illinois, with their reparations program to make special mortgage allowances to black people, but not white people. It's happening in Oakland, California right now, where they are beginning a process of sending $500 checks to black families in Oakland, but not families of any other ethnicity. So what we're seeing here under the guise, again, under the guise of a sort of pseudo-equality, you see discrimination taking place. It's like Virgil and I say all the time. You can't, in, 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 in the eyes of the social justice, in the eyes of critical race theory, you cannot have equality without partiality. Mm-hmm. As they define equality, you have to discriminate against somebody else. Yeah, well, that, is that, it, is, that is, is blatantly unbiblical. Isn't it true, Virgil, that, um, that slavery for the black uh, um, uh, people that were brought here 
they were actually sold by their own people. Is that true? Because I know you guys have researched it a lot more than I have, or is that just something that's not true? No, absolutely. In fact, Daryl's got a story, a personal story uh, related to that. In fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to I'm gonna talk to him, and let him unpack that a bit for you because I think I think his very uh, lived experience expresses the truthfulness of what you just shared, which leads me to the point that I that I wanted to amplify with regard to what you're saying, and that is we act as if when we hear about redlining or when we hear about Jim Crow or when we hear about about slavery, it, the first the first response is as if that's unique to America, uh, when when it absolutely is not. The second response uh, that we have is we're shocked and surprised that it ever happened. When when scripturally, biblically speaking, what should shock us is that those kinds of things don't happen more often. If yeah. if we truly understand the nature of the of, of human depravity, of the sinfulness in the human condition. But we should be surprised. It's not that redlining happened, not that Jim Crow took place, not that slavery took place, but that more and more of it doesn't, that, that those kinds of things don't happen more often because of the sinful behavior that is in the human heart. The difference between the social justician and, and those advocating for biblical justice is we, ha- we have a clear understanding. We can actually go to the root of the cause of these kinds of things. What's happening with the social justice is they're, they're simply looking at the symptoms. Oh, this is a symptom. We're seeing it in society. We see it in redlining. We see it here. Must, something must be done. And all of the solutions that they begin to employ have absolutely nothing to do with eradicating the problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you, can fix red, you can fix redlining, but at the end of the day, that doesn't change the racism in my heart. I can still hate you as a result. You, you may have fixed redlining, but that, that, that doesn't transform my heart. And some might say, well, that provides equity. And, and, and the reality is it doesn't provide equity. There's still going to be wealthy people who can afford the houses, and there will be poor people who cannot. And so regardless of what you think you fixed, I mean, it, it doesn't get to the root of the heart. The difference is the gospel actually penetrates the heart uh, of the matter and deals with the issue of the blackness of sin in the human heart, but but with specificity, Daryl can speak to, to to his ancestry who who was involved in the slave trade. Yeah, Daryl, um, go ahead. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've shared. Hey, thanks, Virgil. I've shared that uh, story a couple times, not often, but yeah. So on, on my father's side of the family, I, we traced uh, from a uh, family reunion that we had years ago uh, to our surprise, uh, a, a DNA uh, analysis, ancestry analysis was conducted, and I learned that on my father's side of the family, my, my paternal roots go all the way back to a tribe known as the Balanta people, B-A-L-A-N-T-A, the Balanta people from Guinea-Bissau, West Africa. Now, the Balanta tribe were uh, a tribe of black Africans who uh, willingly participated in the transatlantic slave trade. Okay, they participate, and this is the this is one aspect of the history of slavery in the world that never gets discussed, and that is the involvement of Black Africans in the slave trade. Black Africans involved in selling their own people into slavery. Just a couple of resources in case your listeners want to delve into this uh, further. Uh, consider reading the book by Walter. Hawthorne, titled Planting Rice and Harvesting Slaves. Uh, In that book, Hawthorne writes this. He says, Belanta traded captives 
They traded African captains for which they received valuable imports, especially iron deposits, of which they were lacking on the coast. So Balanta people traded slaves. Consider also the book by Basil Davidson, The African Slave Trade, where Davidson writes this. He says, the African notion that Europe altogether imposed the slave trade on Africa is without any foundation in history. This idea is as baseless as the comparable European notion that institutions of bondage were in any way peculiar to Africa. Africa and Europe were jointly involved, Davidson says. So again, there's a lot of history with regard to slavery that people don't want to talk about. But as Virgil alluded to, whenever this issue of slavery comes up, it's always narrowed down to America. Mm-hmm. It's always narrowed down to America. And I don't know if you were aware, Doug, but if you were to list the top 10 nations who, during the mid-Atlantic, uh, the transatlantic slave trade, the top 10 nations that received the most slaves, the number one nation was Brazil. Mm-hmm. Brazil. Brazil received millions more slaves than America did. America, matter of fact, America is not even in the top 10 of nations that received slaves during the transatlantic slave trade. But people always want to begin with America and single America out. Uh, so I always say that you, if you want to have an honest conversation about slavery, you cannot start with 1619 in Jamestown, Virginia. Mm-hmm. You can't. You need to go back way back. You need to go all the way back to Africa and look at the involvement in the slave trade on the behalf of black Africans who participated, who profited, and whom were it not for black Africans, there would have been no slavery in America. Well, and the reality is that slavery goes back all the way to biblical times, way before that. It's been a standard practice in every culture in the world. I mean, it's sure, it's, it's but not. You, but but, but you're, you're right, Doug. You're absolutely right. But as it relates to the critical race theorist and the liberation the, theologian, going back, acknowledging that, acknowledging what you just said, doesn't pay off for them. Well, that's they true. Have to single out, <laughs> they have to single out the white man's involvement in slavery because that's that's how they make their money. Well, that's true. Global slavery doesn't do them any good. If we make everybody complicit in slavery, then they, 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 there's no payoff for them. Well, if we hold the guilt over the head only of white people, that's how they get paid. Yeah, the Jewish people aren't going back to the Egyptians asking for reparations right now, I don't right. think. So anyway, right. Right. hey, we, we, we've got about uh, eight minutes left, and so I want you to delve into this, the last segment for us. All right, you mentioned Kelly Brown Douglas's book, The Black Christ, and and basically, just to sum up what you shared in your podcast, again, if you want to hear that, go to justthinking.me, and you can hear that latest podcast. It's worth the time. It is a really well done, Daryl. You, you and Virgil both did a great job on that, and I really appreciate the time and effort you put into it. But you summarized uh, uh, what you were saying about it. It doesn't matter if we recognize it or not. We are racist because we are white. So how do we, as believers, address when we have leaders in the church or other people, maybe not in the church, telling us we have to apologize for being white and white privilege? We have to accept our whiteness as a culture and, and, and learn to not um, – we, we should be ashamed of that. How do we respond to that in a loving way, a biblical way, uh, a truthful way? Well, let me just what you what you just mentioned there, Doug. See, that's one of those presuppositions that critical race theorists will hook you in on. They, so they, they they sort of make a declarative statement like that, as if 
whiteness, number one, is a reality, and then number two, as if whiteness is, uh, is, is, is a state of mind, a state of attitude for every white person that exists simply because they're white. So for us, we have to be able to be courageous enough to be able to reject that and push back against that narrative because that's exactly what it is. It's a narrative. Mm-hmm. And what your listeners have to understand is that, again, critical race theory is totally presuppositional. Mm-hmm. It is presuppositional. It is self-certifying. If you if you peel the and, and this is one reason the episode that Virgil and I did on critical race theory is three and a half hours long mm-hmm. because we peeled back the layers. We peeled back the layers of critical race theory and and exposed our listeners to those presuppositions, and so that they can see them for what they are, which are actually absolute lies. So a church that says, "Well, we need to uh, we need to all." Uh, uh, you know, acknowledge our whiteness. Uh, we need to acknowledge that we've had certain advantages uh, over others. Uh, you know, we, we, the church needs to reject that. I'm going to ask Virgil to chime in here because he's more he's more pastoral on these kind of things uh, than I am. But but critical race theory is inherently divisive. Mm-hmm. It's inherently divisive. Uh, th- there is nothing uh, there is nothing good about uh, critical race theory. Nothing. There is nothing mm-hmm. virtuous. In critical race theory, absolutely nothing. And 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 what 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 your listeners who are believers have to understand is that the gospel has never ever been about uh, making society better. It's never been about that. The gospel is a message that saves ungodly sinners. Romans five six, ungodly sinners from the wrath of God. That's what the, that's what the gospel is about. It's not about uh, making things equal or fair or anything like that. Uh, especially as it relates to the world, you should expect the world to behave like the world. But to expect the world to behave like the church when the world is unregenerate to begin with, that just doesn't make any sense. Uh, Virgil, you want to add anything? Yeah, Virgil, we've got about three minutes. Yeah, no, I I, I want to just continue to echo what he said. I, we have to reject it in the strongest terms. And I, I know Daryl always kind of hat tips me for the pastoral aspect, but the reality is we've, we've got to be very direct, uh, very clear about the ungodly philosophy that is CRT, uh, that is antithetical to a Christian worldview, uh, that is that is the absolute polar opposite of anything it claims to de- desire, which is racial reconciliation. It actually, it actually, in the end result of it is the actual opposite. It creates racial division, racial tension. And for those pastors out there who are trying to embrace it in an effort to seem relevant or to seem like they're connecting with the culture, or they want to use the vernacular of the culture, they're actually doing a disservice to black folk. And, 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 and the reason I say that is because it's the, the, the language is patronizing. Those who advocate for it, who are white, who say, hey, we need to look at this critical race theory, their, their, their disposition is pharisaical. In other words, they always, include, they always talk about white folk, but it never includes themselves. Right? They're, they're always outside of the fray. They're the ones who are understanding. They're the ones who are woke. They're the ones who are clear, and they're informing all of you white people how you need to respond to this issue. If we can't speak on with equal measure, on equal terms, on an equal basis, on an equal playing field, on the basis of the fact that we're all sinners in need of a Savior, we should reject that philosophy. Mm, that's good. Well, Daryl, I, I did get a quick question, so we got about two minutes. When uh, And thank you, Virgil, for that. That was really concise and good. When Daryl was on the show several months ago, you quoted from Thomas Sowell, and you said the new term for social justice is envy. Can you explain what you meant by that or what he meant by that in a minute? 
Yeah, so that, that quote is from Thomas Sowell's book, The Quest for Cosmic Justice, which I highly recommend your listeners listen to. But in that book, Sowell said this. He said, uh, envy was once one of the seven deadly sins until it was renamed, re- resurrected rather, by its new name, social justice. So when you look at social justice, it really is a philosophy of, of envy. Is a philosophy of pride, is a philosophy of envy, jealousy, covetousness, because other people are envious and covetous of, of what you have that they don't have, as if you're having that and they're not having it is inherently evil. Hmm. So that's it in a nutshell. All right. Well, hey, man, thank you guys so much. Real quick, Daryl mentioned a book, Planting Rice Harvesting Slaves by Walter Hawthorne. An African slave trade. I didn't get the first name. Uh, it was Davidson. What was the first name, Daryl? First name is Basil, B-A-S-I-L. Okay, Basil ba- Davidson, ba- The African Slave Trade. Two, two books worth reading. And again, their website is justthinking.me. That's J-U-S-T-T-H-I-N-K-I-N-G.me. Go there. Again, pray for them. Pray for their families. Pray for their ministries. Support them. These guys are worth helping out and doing what they do. You are sowing into kingdom work because these brothers are for the kingdom. And Daryl and Virgil, again, I just want to say thank you for giving us an hour of your time today and helping our listeners understand these really important topics. Hey, thanks so much. Thank you, Doug, for having us. Yeah. Hey, you've been listening to SWAT Radio. If you just tuned in and you missed this, you want to go back and listen, we're going to have this posted within an hour on our website, www.swatradio.com. You can listen to this. We've had them on before. You can go back and listen to any past broadcast. Just search and put in Daryl Harrison or Virgil Walker, and it'll bring up everyone they've been in. Hey, thank you so much for listening to SWAT Radio today. We're going to be back tomorrow. And uh, we will be probably talking about some of these issues they brought up. Again, I want to give you their website. It's justthinking.me. Go there and uh, let it be a reminder to pray for them. They've got lots of good resources on there. And check out that latest podcast. And we will be back tomorrow on SWAT Radio. Thanks for tuning in. If you missed a SWAT radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT radio is strengthening spiritual